Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Looks like Jesse's in some cave somewhere in undecided <laughs> stage here doing his missionary work. Brother Jess, I hope your your mission is going well out there in Colorado. God bless you for doing what you do, bro. It is, Terry. I I, I just was with Archbishop Aquila last night. Good. And uh, he's one of the stalwart bishops in the United States. He he wrote a letter to Cardinal McCarrick. He called him out. He called him out. Yeah. And we're talking and, and there was a big audience last night. Legatus, he was there with us. And uh yeah, we gave him a we gave him a big round of applause. Oh, I mean, yeah. what it, inspirational. This is what Akita Japan calls the bishops calling out bishops. And and uh Bishop Akula did exactly that, Terry. Well, you know, he gave the church teachings on equality in the sense that we're all called to repent of our sins and become part members of the church. So I thought that uh, yeah, Mark Brumley from Ignatius, everybody's supporting him. They're saying, well, finally, we've got, you know, some clarity here. And I would imagine he's going to take some heat for calling out a Cardinal Jess. But thank you for doing that, uh, Bishop Papilla. Yes. We really appreciate that as lay people. Jess, Absolutely. Jess, today, and I told, I told him that personally, Terry. Did. Well, thank you. Yeah, because I, you know what's funny? When we were at the Bishop's Conference in Baltimore, he was having breakfast and I went over to him. And uh, had it just to say hello to him, and he says, "Keep what, you, keep doing what you guys are doing. I'm, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing." I mean, he knew. Wow. I didn't know he knew me, but or, you know what? <laughs> the point of it was, these guys, they know, they they pay attention to what laymen are out there doing things. So, God <laughs> love them. Yes, talking about uh, the church today, we've got Mark Huck, who's a layman who just has acquitted, acquitted from uh, charges from the woke Biden administration on his situation at praying at an abortion clinic. I can't believe you got him coming today, and then he's going to be on Bishop Strickland next Wednesday because I think he's a model for us men especially. And so we're going to have him personally, the second, third, and fourth segment. Also, Jess, just for your good-to-know file, this is something that I thought was encouraging. The UCCD, United States Catholic Conference Bishops president, responds to Biden's Catholic bishops who will work as one body to end abortion. Basically, Biden was trying to say that, uh, you know, the funding of abortions, not all bishops, you know, um, they're not against all that. And uh, so this particular bishop, Archbishop Bogolio, he was the military chaplain who's been very good to us years ago at Lighthouse. He stood up to the Biden administration and said this. He said, you know, he said, um, we are taught by Jesus Christ that human life is sacred. God calls us to defend the natural life from moment from the moment of new conception being conceived. He said, yeah, okay, Biden's a self-professed Catholic. Yeah, self. You notice he said self-professed Catholic, claimed that the right. bishop's opposition to taxpayer-funded abortions was not a universal, nor was it supported by Pope. But Lugio took a different stance. The Catholic Church has never been clear and consistent of the teaching of the UCC president said, I like this aggressiveness. I mean, Bishop Gomez, my bishop here in L.A., was the president of the bishops' conference. He would, he was, he would never say anything back. He was quiet. I'm glad maybe, right. maybe this new president will take the bull by the horns and say, no, 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 not on my watch, baby. I love it, Jess. It looks that way, Terry. It looks like of a... Uh... We're sorry to turn the corner. By the way, check your email of uh, what you requested. I, I just, yeah. I'm, I, I just I sent it. I'm going to, to Anthony's printing it for me right now. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. What? Just want to mention a couple other things on the need to know file. Good. Bishop critiques the synod buzzwords. Bishop Robert Barron recently participated in a listening session for the ongoing synod on yeah. synodality. Yeah. Here's what he said: "Quote, as I've been studying and speaking about synodality, I, I very much enjoyed the the exchange of views, but I found myself increasingly uneasy." 
with two words that feature prominently in the document. And that dominated much of our discussion, namely inclusivity and welcoming. Good job. So Bishop Barron is saying, got a problem with those words in the document. Also. And Jesse, just to make a comment too, he quotes Cardinal, um, uh, who's this Cardinal, former Cardinal of Chicago, who probably died. He's obligated. Stupid, stupid. No, no, no. Before before him. Cardinal, I can't think of his name, but he says it, it burned him to hear all our get all our welcomed song in the church, and so uh, he was influenced by that. It's uh, it's the cardinal before Supich who was Orthodox, but you see the point of it is Jesse. They're speaking out now. Card- cardinal Francis George. Yeah, Cardinal Francis George said, That's "I can't right. handle that song. Get rid of it." <laughs> I, I'm with him. Also, Cardinal Robert McElroy recently wrote an essay calling for the syn- synodal process to change the church's exclusion yeah. of divorced and remarried people and LGBTQ Catholics from communion. Yep. While pastoral in tone, the essay deals almost entirely in abstractions. Concrete acts by particular moral agents simply don't register, writes Stephen White. Yeah. And uh, and this is why uh, the, the bishop out here from uh, Denver, Colorado, called him uh, out. Wrote, called him out on this. Uh, I love on, it. On, Yes, that situ- was awesome. Situation yeah. ethics, Jesse. They they make they justify everything. Yes, and this is what that's exactly good. what he was so doing. God bless. Yeah, him. continue, yeah. brother. Also, uh, Harrison. The good news here. Yeah, I talk. There's a Catholic witness, Harrison Butker. He's a kicker for the Kansas City oh, we Chiefs. Love it. Love it. Who hit the game-winning field goal last night? He started yeah. a pro-life ad for uh, uh, for Catholic Vote last summer. The kicker is a proud pro-life Catholic, mm-hmm. and uh, while the Kansas Amendment went down in defeat, Buck- Butker isn't giving up, and neither are we. In Good. Fact, I've read that he actually uh, he's an acolyte in the traditional Latin Mass. I know. I've heard the same thing. Doesn't surprise yeah. me. Those are the guys that yeah. are standing up for the faith right now. Yep. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Anything yeah. else before we get the gospel, Jess? No, let's go to let's some get soul some soul food, bro. Hit it. Yeah. Uh, today's today's reason. I want to read the book of Hebrews. There's a lot of apologetics in today's oh, first yeah. verse in the gospel. Oh, yeah. Okay, Hebrews chapter 13. That was today's reading at Holy Mass. The first reading at Holy Mass. It says this. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect hospitality. Mm. For, through, for through it, some have unknowingly entertained angels. I love it. In other words, you, gotta be, you better be careful how you treat strangers. You may be... You may be entertaining an angel who's taking the form of a stranger or a homeless person. He says, be mindful of prisoners as of sharing their imprisonment and of the ill-treated as of yourselves, for you you also are in the body. Again, that goes back to Jesus' words, treat one another as I've treated you. And when I was was in prison, you visited me. It says, let marriage be honored amongst all. (laughs) Did you hear that, President Biden? Let marriage be honored among all, and the marriage bed be kept undefiled. Man. In, in other words, things that are things that we would call mortal sins should not be occurred occurring in the marriage bed. Yeah. It says, For God will judge the immoral and adulterers. Let your life be free from the love of money. There it goes back to hearkening back to Paul in 1 Timothy 6. Yeah. Uh, but be content with what you have. For he has said, this is God, I will never forsake you or abandon you. Thus, we may say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, and I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Finally, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me just jump in, Jesse. This happened this morning at our church, early hours. There's a dude that didn't look like he's homeless, just very devout, kneeling down, folded pr- hands, praying in front of the church on the, on the sidewalk, wow. okay? Wow. So we go, we go, hey, dude, you want to come in and adore Jesus? And he just shook his head like, yes. Yeah. So well, I have no idea who he is. He goes in and prays and then disappears. Now, that might be who someone from the neighborhood who could be. But you know what? When you read that reading today, I was thinking, maybe that was an angel just coming in to adore Jesus. You never know. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's powerful. That's beautiful, Terry. Also, today's responsorial psalm was very powerful. Psalm 27. This is a good spiritual warfare psalm. Yeah. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Mm. Whom should I fear? The Lord is my life's refuge. Of whom should I be afraid? Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. The war be waged upon me, even then will I trust. For he will hide me in his abode in the day of trouble. He will conceal me in the shelter of his tent. He will set me high upon a rock. Your presence, O Lord, I seek. Hide not your face from me. Do not in anger repel your servant. You are my helper. Cast me not off. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Wow. Uh, you know, Jesse, this just fires you up, doesn't it? The Word of God. Yeah. You know, Amen, let's Terry. Let's not get too distracted in the world today and forget about opening up our Bible every day. That's why we do it here at the Terry and Jesse show here at Virgin Most Powerful. Anything else before we move on, Jesse Sheen? Saint, Terry, St. Blaze. Today's the, the St. Blaze. Yep. Yes. Uh, he's a throat. St. Blaze. Yeah, he's the patron saint of throats. He was a, the Bishop of Sebastian, Armenia. <laughs> Uh, he lived uh, in the in the early fourth century. Uh, he was the bishop. Saint Blaise is known today's again is when they do the, the throat blessings. Uh, the the story goes that Saint Blaise encountered a woman whose pig was being seized by a wolf. Saint Blaise commanded the wolf to release the pig, and it was freed unhurt. <laughs> and while 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 in prison, he miraculously cured a small boy who was choking to death on a fishbone lodged in his throat also the woman whose pig had been saved brought saint blaze candles so that his cell would have light and he could read the sacred scriptures uh eventually saint blaze died a martyr and this is uh why we call him saint blaze bishop and martyr pray for us well when we come back from our break mark huck's going to join us he he was just acquitted uh from a case uh, regarding his pro-life stance at an abortion clinic he's a man's man He's a man that we look up to as men in the church because we need to stand up for the truth, especially our families. And when you hear his story and what he went through, I think you'll be very inspired by this. And uh, yeah, you're going to hear it right here on Terry and Jesse's show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. We stand for what? For for Jesus is who we stand for. And I want to encourage all of our listeners to stay focused. This is first first Friday today. Get to Holy Mass, get to Adoration, get to Confession. All the above are going to help you get closer to Christ and become a saint. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Yes, yes. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Mark Huck is our guest here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Mark, you got to tell us, brother, we're so glad, so proud that you are not, you've been acquitted from this case, and uh, great, great to see you, brother. 
Oh, it's great yeah. to see you, Terry and Jesse. Great to be with you and share the good news. Oh, amen. Hey, hey, Mark, let me let, let me just add, you know what? I look at your experience. You went through the dark night of the soul, but you, you went through the dark night of the soul. It was forced upon you by uh, the Biden administration and his Department of Injustice. Uh, Mark, just, just to... to let the people know a little bit about you. Tell us who Mark Houck is and, about, and what apostolic works it, are you There you go. In. I want you to know about that. That's important. Yeah, we people want to know who you are yep. and uh, and and how long have you been praying in front of abortion mills? Sure. Well, again, all glory be to God. Great to share the good news. Amen. So I'm a father. I'm a husband. I have seven children. <laughs> um, I've been engaged in the, the pro-life fight and in men's ministry since 2003. Um, so over 20 years, I've been attending uh, prayer vigils, pro-life prayer vigils, and doing sidewalk counseling. Uh, in addition, alongside my my work with men, uh, which our paths have crossed both both of you at different retreats throughout the years. But we have small men's groups around the country, uh, some in your area where you guys are, and and some in other parts of the country in the world, Europe for that matter. So uh, that's who we are in a ministry. Uh, you know, we're, we're just a small men's group, essentially. Uh, but we do we do retreats that, that help men, uh, outdoor experiential retreats called Into the Wild, which you, know, you both experience. We have a healing retreat to what we do, a component uh, that helps men uh, go deeper into the wounds of uh, forgiveness and abuse and traumas in their life. And then we have a call to action piece for our ministry, which is to fight the evil of the day, the cultural war, abortion, pornography, and defense of traditional marriage. And that's what we've been doing for the last 20 years. And it just so happened that this past year, we got a lot of attention for it. <laughs> Mark, I like, I like the, I've always loved that name that you chose, the King's Men. I mean, that is strong because we're talking about Christ the King and all of us are the, as baptized Catholics, we're the King's Men. What a, what an incredible name you chose for for that men's apostolate, but Mark, so let's hit the rewind button here. Uh, you've made the national news. Even the Biden administration knows who you are. Uh, the FBI knows who you are in, in the highest offices of the FBI. So where where did this incident occur? What city? What state? Uh, was it a Planned Parenthood? Was it a Family Planning Associates? And uh, and who was this escort that uh, that confronted you? Confronted your son too. Go ahead. Correct. More yeah. importantly, right. So um, so we're, we're, this all took place in the city of brotherly love, uh, Philadelphia, <laughs> Pennsylvania. And um, I love it. So it was at a Planned Parenthood in in the city. Uh, 12th and Locust is the location of the uh, of the place. And we've been going there for years. Uh, and I was there uh, on October 13, 2021, with my 12-year-old boy at the time. And uh, he had been there. It's not, it wasn't his first time there. It's about 40, 50 times he's gone. But it, uh, it all transpired that day, the day the sun danced, right? That's yeah. what we know of October 13th. <laughs> Amen. Adam. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I mean, our lady was has been close to me and was close to me that day. My son, he'll say to me, you'll like this, Jesse and, and Terry. He'll say to me, Dad, we'll pray the rosary. And we'll take up the rosary and say, Dad, let's pray it in Latin. The devil hates Latin. <laughs> oh, so man. We wow. That day. <laughs> that's awesome. 
Oh, that that that's why you trigger these guys. So so who's this this escort? This uh, you know, I, I think they're death escorts, but that's just my opinion. I mean, did you know who he was? Had you seen him before? Is he an employee there? Uh, and what, what, why was he triggered? If you've been going there for years, what, why did he decide to start getting in your son's face? Yeah. yeah. His, his, his name is Bruce and, and his last name's love. And, and we pray for him. And I asked your audience yeah. to pray for him. Yeah. He's yeah. a broken guy, a wounded guy. He's been a volunteer there for 30 years. Oh, I know a little man. bit about him. He's a divorced guy. Um, we've dialogued. He's, he's had many exchanges with me over the years not positive, but, but mostly me trying to encourage him. I'll talk to him about the faith. He's the best atheist. And, um, on this particular day, um, for whatever reason, he was not where he normally stands and, and maintains his, his position. Now, Planned Parenthood testified on the stand last week that, that they have a specific rule of engagement, right. uh, a policy of engagement, which uh, requires their escorts not to engage pro-life demonstrators or activists or whatever protesters they're going to call them. And so he had been in violation of this and actually was being rebuked uh, many times by the CEO, Dale Steinberg of CEO Southeastern Pennsylvania Planned Parenthood. And she testified to that on the stand that he was in violation. So what he particularly wow. does, and he's good at is, <laughs> yeah, what well, it did, and, and what he's good at is agitating and agitating pro-lifers, and and he's he's very much involved in that way. And so we've had exchanges. He's addressed my son in the past, and I've told him he doesn't have permission to address my son. He never does, but he continues to do it otherwise. On this particular day. I was escorting uh, two women across the street, myself escorted. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was he was back at the building, uh, Planned Parenthood, and we were going to a crisis pregnancy center, a pregnancy resource center. And we were walking and talking as we do, as my right is to do, and politely engaging in conversation. And he literally ran from Planned Parenthood to intervene in that and basically break my First Amendment rights and violate the FACE Act that applies to me as I'm escorting somebody to a pregnancy resource center. Wow. So, so that's what that's a brief we actually put forward, but the judge uh, didn't allow it. But nonetheless, um, you know, there was a little bit of an exchange there, a bump, if you will. And I said, what are you doing? You know, do you have any fear of God? And uh, of course, he ignores me. And then I go back and I, I resume my post with my son and we pick up the rosary again. He goes back into Planned Parenthood for about 20 minutes. Then he reemerges. Now, picture this, you know, your former law enforcement, Jesse, you know, picture this. He comes over and he positions himself right next to my son. Now, I'm 50 feet from the entrance. He comes over and stands next to my 12 year old boy and puts himself in a position whereby now my 12 year old boy is is his personal space is being invaded and it, my son's uncomfortable. And he begins to address my son and talk to my son. Now, I think he taught my son the F word years ago. Wow. But, um, this is the type of exchanges that we've had. Wow. And he, he starts talking about my son, about me. And he starts manipulating my son and trying to talk to him and tell him and confuse my son. And I said, look, you, you can't talk to my son. Talk to me. Don't talk to him. You don't have permission to talk to him. And then he, he just kept refusing to do that. I said, look, you got to stop. I walked him back and from behind. This is all called on video. I walk him back. I said, go back to, to where you normally stand. Leave us alone. He turns around like he's going to go back. And I turn around thinking he's going to comply with that. 
Well, next thing I know, we, we, we just went from abortion rights, face act violation, First Amendment rights to now a father's rights. And when he turned back and started addressing my son, I just wheeled as a dad and I pushed him away. And that was uh, that was my duty as a as a dad to protect Amen. my son. Amen. My wife said, "You know what? I, I would want you to protect our son. I, I want I would want you to do that." And I think any man would have done. Of course, that. amen. So that's yeah. that, that's what happened. He fell down, and um, you know the the PD showed up. The Philadelphia Civil Affairs. The DA said, "We're not going to press charges." Philadelphia Police Department said, "We can't press charges. We, we're not interested in this." He filed a private criminal complaint put me in court from state court and uh, he didn't even bother to show up for a trial. So it was dismissed. Five days later, I get a target letter from the department of justice saying you're a target of a federal grand jury investigation. <laughs> but you know, the FBI was watching this thing the whole time. Yeah. Wow. So I got that said, you know, have your attorney contact the assistant U S attorney in Eastern district of Philadelphia. And, uh, and we did Matt Heffron from the Thomas More society, former federal prosecutor, Calls and says, you have no case. There's case law against my client or against you uh, uh, bringing these charges up against my client. But if you want to indict him, no need to send an agent out to his home. We'll bring him in peacefully and 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 no need, no bother, no need to bother with that. And that was it. And, uh, and we didn't hear from them for six months uh, before they raided my home. Wow. Wow. Incredible, man. That's just insane. Same. Six six months, okay. and that's when the the infamous raid came to your house, and that's when they arrested you. Uh, Mark, it, it was probably surreal to you. You're probably saying, um, "I'm not a crook. Uh, never never been arrested before." And here, the Biden administration sends sends Does the it? FBI like 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 if you're Chapo Guzman, yeah, you know. Like if you're some, you know, some big drug kingpin or something, I mean, they 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 send their heavy artillery, armored I mean, cars. Were were you just what was? Tell me about your reaction when that happened. Was this surreal? Was this like? Is this really? Is this America? What was going on in your mind? Well, Matt Heffron had contacted me in August of 2022 and said, "Have you heard from the AUSA?" And I said, "I haven't heard anything from from her." And he said, neither have I. She won't return my phone calls. Aha. Uh -huh. So September 23rd, Friday morning, 645 in the morning, I get up to put a quiche in the oven to prep for a homeschool co-op that day. My wife's asleep. My children are asleep. And it's dark outside. Um, I'm downstairs. I cannot see outside. Uh, but I hear banging at my door. Just banging and then the doorbell ringing. And then someone yells outside. They don't even declare who they are. Open up. Now, I don't know if that's normal protocol for the FBI. I but I would think you would have to declare yourself who you are. Exactly. But of course, I'm not going to open up my door to some wacko banging on my door. Exactly. I said, well, who is it? And they said, bang, ring the doorbell again. Bang, bang, bang. Open up. It's the FBI. And I said, okay. So, yeah, I'm thinking, what are they here for? I wasn't even thinking target letter. I wasn't even thinking anything. I opened it. I said, first of all, I said, stay calm. I have seven babies in here. Please stay calm. I can see the red lights going off. I figured there were a couple marked units outside with their sirens on, but not, they weren't in noise, but just in the, 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 uh, lights the were on. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. The lights were on. So, uh, I opened the door, I show them my hands and I say, 
Well, first of all, I look at what's going on. It's a circus. I have 10 to 15 unmarked units on my property. Wow. I'm about 100 yards from the road. Cars are lined up all the way from my driveway all the way out to the road. They're surrounding my house. They're on my grass in their cars. My daughter notices a, a federal agent in the back door, full SWAT gear and a long gun. Hmm. I see five agents on my porch with M16s pointed at me. Oh. And they're confirmed M16s. We, we confirm that. Full ballistic shields, helmets, heavily armored vests, and a battering ram. Mark, hang, these- hang on a second. We want to hear the rest of this story when we get back from this break. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Mark Duck is our guest explaining a terrible experience he had where the FBI came in and routed his home. And uh, it's horrible. But let's get more of that when we come back. Stay with us, family. This is uh, the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Mark's just explaining what happened at his home that day the FBI raided him. I think of what St. Oh, no, he's not a saint yet, but I hope he will be. Pope Benedict XVI said, The world offers you comfort, but you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. Mark, you were made for greatness. This was your moment here. So please continue to share what happened that morning at your home when the FBI came in. Sure. I think where we left off was uh, I, I took note of a battering ram. So yeah. they were going to come in my door, whether I opened it or not, they mm-hmm. were coming in. Uh, thankfully, I opened it up, and when I looked at them, I couldn't believe the the twenty plus federal agents and PA state troopers that were in my yard. Yeah. And I said, and they're all lined up with their guns pointed at me. Mm. Um, Terrible. I said, what, what are you doing here? Uh, that's what I said. It was surreal. I'm like, wow, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, and they said to me, "Well, we kn- you know why we're here," and uh, I had to process that and think I actually I don't but oh I said oh I know why you're here you're here because I rescue babies that's just what I said good good answer they, <laughs> they didn't uh, respond to that I bet they uh, I was surprised it didn't take me right down to the floor um they just looked at me and then I said with my hands up I said uh you know you wouldn't be here if the Trump administration was in the White House excellent point thank you for saying that that's what i said good man and they all looked at me like and they kind of put their heads down a little bit in shame because i think now my wife's appearing with a bathrobe on and they can see my kids and the long guns are now pointing at her and in the threshold of my home scanning the house so my wife come down comes down and she's got the robe on and she says do you have a warrant for his arrest and the FBI agent, the lead agent said, well, we're taking him with or without a warrant. Wow. Wow. And my wife is, said, well, you can't. Is this, is this America or what? It's Russia. Oh. Right. Man. So she said, you can't do that. Um, well, they did it. And with about 15 minutes, I was in the black suburban. But before that happened, I said, hey, look, um, can I get some clothes on? I had a pair yeah, of shorts on a t-shirt, pair of shorts on a t-shirt and flip-flops. It was cold morning. I said, can I put some short, uh, some pants on? No. Can I put a sweatshirt on? No. Can I put some deodorant on? No. Can I put some, can I brush my teeth? No. 
can I get some socks on? No. Um, okay, can I get my rosary? Yes. Wow. <laughs> so uh, I was cuffed in front of my children with them screaming. Um, just totally in shock. It was an act of terror that you could see on their faces. I, bet. I, couldn't, I couldn't talk to them. I couldn't say goodbye. I didn't know when I would return. No one said anything. I wasn't even told the charges. I was just placed in a in a black, unmarked suburban. And uh, my wife was left to, to deal with that. And uh, they took me away very quickly and brought me to the federal building. And I can tell you more about that if you'd like. Yeah, I think absolutely. Uh, we want yeah. the details because, Mark, this is something that you offered up, I know, as a sacrifice for the salvation of souls, because I know your spirituality. You're you're Catholic from the toe to uh, to the head. So continue, please. Well, at that point, you know, I, I just I had just had to surrender, you know, everything yeah. literally and uh, emotionally and spiritually, and entrust my children, my wife to to exactly. my guardian angel, yep, their patience, and my heavenly Father, Father, and Holy Spirit. So I got in the car and I said, I, I don't know, man, why there's so many people at my house. And the the, the driver who was from St. Louis uh, said, uh, well, sir, we don't know anything about you. And uh, we come prepared for anything. Uh, I said, well, I find that hard to believe that you know nothing about me, but okay. The lead agent who was next to uh, me didn't say anything. He knew everything about me. Of course uh, they did. Yeah. The FBI knows everything, right? And, and they wouldn't just show up on sure. someone's door without doing their homework. Exactly. Mark, Mark, before before law enforcement hits somebody with a search warrant, they have meetings about the individual. They have meetings about the house, the size of the house, how many rooms, basement, guns in the house, prior record, uh, any connections with uh, nefarious individuals. They know everything about you by the time they hit that door. Trust me. I believe it, and uh, they they tried to let me believe otherwise. But I, they I lied. They lied because because they work for Biden. That's why. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, I, I I gave them directions to the federal building. They knew they didn't even know where they were going. And, oh my and I, gosh! You know, and then we were talking about homeschooling, and I'm evangelizing, Good talking about you. being a father, and you know, I mean, I, I'm just going to embrace the moment. You know, here we are. There's nothing I can do, but you know, God's grace is still sufficient. And amen. amen move forward. Yep. So we got to the federal building, which is a hundred yards away from independence hall, where all of our rights were established. Yeah. Really? Isn't that ironic? <laughs> Go ahead. So we get there and, um, you know, they're, they're fingerprinting me and so forth. And, uh, the one agent who drove me said it was a real pleasure meeting. <laughs> so he says, oh, that's wow. funny. The guy from St. Louis. Okay. So yeah. Louis. And I said, well, it was a joy. You know, I, I shook his hand. And then they 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 shackled my waist, they shackled my feet, wow. and they cuffed me to a table in a white room that's about eight by ten. Wow! And uh, and and cuffed me to a table for six plus hours. What? That's right. That's why this is important. I want everybody yeah. to listen what is happening here in America, and this is one reason why I say we have to stand up for what the truth is. So. I, Mark, I don't want to take any airtime. Continue. Well, Mark, did, did, did they ever tell you, at what point did they tell you, yeah. we, we are arresting you for such and such charges? I mean, that's typically what law enforcement is supposed to do. Uh, put your hands behind your back. I'm arresting you for burglary. X, I'm y, arresting you for shoplifting. Yep. When did they tell you, we are arresting you for A, B, or C? 
I believe if my memory serves me correctly, that happened at my uh, preliminary hearing that was done via Zoom in the white room where I was chained to a table where the charges were read to me and uh, the judge was posting a bond or allowing a bond to be posted uh, for me to be released on my own recognizance, which means I was not a threat to society, nor was I a flight risk. It's the only reason they would let me go. Wow. Uh, right. so they knew that. And they knew that when they arrested me that they were going to release me because they did mention to my wife, she told me later, that he'll probably be home later today. Mark, they, Mark I, I have to jump in. This seems to me like there was a strong message that the administration wanted to send and use you as an example. Am I onto something? To all pro-life Catholics. That was a message. That's that was a that was a shot fired from, from Biden across the bow to all practicing pro-life Catholics. Yep, that's my take, Mark. My my take is they wanted to humiliate me, they wanted to intimidate me, and they yes. wanted to instill fear not only in my children, my wife, and me, yeah. but in pro-life America. Yeah. And all those that do what, what we do as Catholic Christians. Man. Um, so yeah, that was my that was my take as well. I mean, at the time I I was just surrendering it all, right? Yeah. And so I gotta tell you though, brothers, when I was in that white room, I'd never been closer to Jesus in my life. Be there. Oh, so wow. I felt so close to the foot of the cross. Yeah. I mean, I, I could, I could, I cannot tell you the peace, the joy and the, and just the, the, the complete utter uh, consolation that I took knowing that I was in the will of God and knowing that I was suffering for Jesus in this way, unjustly an unjust suffering and that I was at the cross with him and I could feel his presence. I could feel my guardian angels. I could feel wow. the patrons, the heavenly patrons praying for me and all those that had been imprisoned unjustly. And I prayed nonstop for six hours, you know, all the rosaries, all the mysteries, all the chaplets, all the novenas, all the devotionals that I prayed, everything that I ever prayed in my life. I just prayed wow. and uh, they check on me every hour or so and say, Hey, you okay? And I say, I'm fine. <laughs> and you know what? Um, you know, that's just what it was. Yeah. And I didn't get read the uh, charges till the, the judge got on a Zoom call and said, you know, if you uh, fulfill all obligations, you show up for court, your $10,000 bond will be forgiven. Wow. Uh, yeah. But prior to that, they started to manipulate and coerce me with pretrial questions. And they said, you don't have to answer anything you don't want to answer. But that's not really true because they want you to answer everything and, uh, <laughs> and they manipulate you to do so. Yeah. And I said, I'm not going to answer that. I'm not comfortable. And they're like, well, well, can we call your wife? I'm like, yeah, but as long as you don't ask her the same questions you were asking me. And uh, they're like, no, we're not going to do that. We just need to find out other information. What did they do? They manipulated my wife and of didn't. Course. Tell and, and of course, you know, that's that's what they're going to do. They're going to get the information they want and they're yeah. going to do whatever they, they have to do to get it. So, so that was, you know, whatever it was. And um, so after about six hours, uh, I was now in the process of being transitioned to U.S. Marshals. And I'd never been treat, treated worse in my life. I don't know how these guys are trained, but they're tough dudes <laughs> and tough women, too. And um, I was in shackles. Now, this doesn't make any sense to me because the federal building where we are in Philadelphia has the U.S. Marshals in the same building. So we're up on like the fourth or fifth floor. I'm in shackles in my waist and in my feet and in my wrist as I'm now being taken to U.S. Marshals. So I'm like shimmying my feet, kind of like Jim Caviezel playing yeah. Jesus yeah. in the Garden of Gethsemane after they arrest him. And I'm I'm hunched over. I'm holding a, a, weight, sha a, a, a weight shackle. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm and I'm like, is this really necessary? Like, why can't you just unshackle my feet so I can walk normally? Why do you have to like torture me so that I can't even move and my ankles are bleeding as a result of you know you putting on the cuffs too tight, but also that I can't even move my legs. Wow. Said, well, that's just the way it has to be. So I I said, all right, you know. So we went down there, and the marshals treated me like complete dirt, like an animal. Wow. Uh, would not even give me the, the 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 respect of acknowledging my dignity as a human being. Stand over there, turn around, don't speak to anybody, kind of thing, and uh, and and they uh, continue to print me and so forth. So after about eight hours, I was returned to my wife and children uh, around wow. around the three o'clock, around three o'clock hour. Yeah, mercy of hour. Wow. Yeah, mercy. So, so that was a, a, a tremendous uh, experience, one that I'll never forget. And, and like I said, the most powerful prayer experience of my life. You bet. Mark, when we come back, I want to hear about Cardinal Mueller coming to visit your home. That had to be powerful. I know Cardinal Mueller personally from other experiences, and he's just a gem of a prince. But how did that respond? How was your family? Yeah, and, th- and then we, we also... We also want to hear what the judge and jury decided. So tell us what happened in court. All of that, yes. And, and tell us about your amazing lawyer as well. We want to hear about your amazing that's lawyer. That's in the next segment. We can do that, yep. and I'll be impressed. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're too blessed to be stressed. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 526 2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Terry and Jesse are blown away by our good friend Mark Huck. He's telling the story of how he was arrested. Mark, continue where you left off because we're at the edge of our chairs. Yeah, and, and there's three things you've got to get in this segment. Uh, Cardinal Mueller visited you. Tell us about that. Tell us what happened uh, with the, the judge and jury. What did they decide? Right. And also tell us a little bit about your amazing lawyer. Go ahead. Well, sure. So we'll start with the lawyers because... Um, at this point, I'm already represented by the time of the arrest, September 23rd, mm-hmm. by Thomas Moore Society. Great. Matt Heffron is my attorney at that point. Wow. Uh, we begin uh, to uh, seek out the best criminal defense attorney uh, uh, in the city of Philadelphia. In fact, Jesse Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett's husband, was contacted wow. to further investigate that. He wanted to take the case, but he was too high profile. And he said, you want Brian McMonagall. Brian McMonagall was in the city of Philadelphia, and uh, he defended uh, Bill Cosby uh, of note. Uh, wow. and, uh, he's a he's an amazing uh, Catholic man um, wow. who was happened to be in our backyard. Yeah. So Thomas Moore Society, Peter Breen became the co-counsel with um, with uh, Brian. And I can't say enough good things about both of these men. Yeah. But the, the Thomas More Society is the Calvary man. They 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 just mm-hmm. come into the help. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's what they are. Yeah. And so they they flip the bill. They're flipping the bill for Brian. And uh, you know they were they were great. They were great. And uh, you know Brian McMonnell said there's plenty of competent uh, lawyers in the city of Philadelphia that probably do it pro bono. Uh, why, you know why do you have to come to me? And they said because we want the best. And that's what Thomas More Society said. That's awesome. Brian was great. Brian was a great, great uh, lawyer and became a great friend and is becoming a great friend, rather. Uh, I'll get to Cardinal Mueller next because he was next up. Yeah. Uh, about a week later, yeah. he shows up at my house. Now, he's in Mexico City with Brian Brown at some Eucharistic thing, family event. 
and he hears about it through whatever media outlet he hears. Yeah. And he knows he's coming back to Philadelphia. And he says to Brian, uh, can I go visit the family? And Brian said, well, I don't know. I'll, I'll reach out to the, to Mark. So he did. I said, I would love to have Cardinal Mueller come to my house. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, really? Now, Bishop Strickland was the first bishop to reach out to me. So I, I got to get him. And you're going to be on his show Wednesday here. We're going to record it. Oh, Continue, please. He was the first. Got to give him that. Yeah. And Bishop Coffey and then, of course, Cardinal Mueller. Sure. Cardinal Mueller came to my house. We still haven't uh, washed his napkin or the uh, the tablecloth. Thinking <laughs> That's that we cute. Wanna, we might want to hold on to that. Just <laughs> in <case>. uh, <laughs> so we had, we had lunch with the Cardinal. He's a six foot four, six oh, foot five man. guy. And he was a delight. He was so good with the kids yeah. and, uh, and you know, just brilliant and yet so personable. Uh, you know, I, I could tell you funny things off offline about what he said, but just a joy. And the way he condemned it, he gave it, did a public condemnation yes, of, uh, of what happened. I thought that was just great. Yeah, that's the kind of prelate we need more and more of. Great. Yeah. What's the next topic here? We can. Right. So what about the judge and the jury? Tell us a little bit about that. All right. We were assigned Judge Gerald Pappert. Uh, who was the federal judge uh, appointed during the Obama administration. Um, good guy. Good guy. Um, you know, there was a two for one deal, I, I think, in wow. during the Obama administration. They get two Democrat uh, appointees and one Republican. Well, he he was a Republican appointee, actually. Um, so, you know, we, we got a favorable draw there with Judge Pappert. Fair guy. Very fair. Villanova grad, Notre Dame grad. Mm-hmm. Um he was, you know, very fair and balanced, I think. And, uh, you know, he was great. The jury was selected last Monday, two Mondays ago. And uh, that was tough. You know, we we saw a very favorable pool for Planned Parenthood. A lot wow. of people on the jury pool were, were volunteers at Planned Parenthood. Had used their- had oh, no. Go- <laughs> Give me a break. Oh, no. This is what we were getting in the Eastern District. So we did the best uh. We did the best we could. We picked the best jurors we could think of p- picking, and um, we moved into trials. Government had two days. They, they needed two days to uh, make their case, uh, and then we had the final day Friday where it was just my son and myself wow. as our defense. Wow. Uh, you know, it was it was uh, an interesting thing. I'll give you some of the highlights just to, to, to give you the honor of the time. But um, at one point during the, the – oh, you know what you need to know? Tell me. Two weeks Two weeks prior to this trial, the government came in with a plea deal. Oh, you need really? To That's important. No, yeah, yeah. The government thought their case was so weak that they offered a plea deal <laughs> yeah, they, because the federal government doesn't offer pleas. The defendant <laughs> usually has to ask for one. Yeah, and the government doesn't come in. They have a ninety-eight percent uh, success rate, conviction rate with their trials, and they came in with a plea and they said zero to six months, misdemeanor, second count, and no probation. Wow. Basically, slap on the wrist. They knew what they were going to lose. Yeah. So I said, no way. Three reasons. One, I'm an innocent man. Two, my wife wouldn't let me come home if I took that plea. And three, <laughs> we want case law. We want to protect pro-lifers. Exactly. We're, we're willing to risk whatever we Future. need to risk to make that happen. Absolutely. So anyhow, uh, a couple of highlights. The judge says to um, Sanjay Patel, who's like wrote the manual on the FACE Act, he said, you know, this is this is being spread way too thin. Where does the FACE Act, um, you know, where does it end? And, and, and it seems to be infringing upon the liberty of people. He said, you need to go back to Washington and you need to fix this. So this is the head guy in the civil affairs uh, department in the, F- in the, in the federal government. Um, wow. Sanjay. And he said, go back and fix this because this is not right. 
So these were all off the record comments, but nonetheless, during the trial, he even jabbed some of that too. When we got up there, there were so many holes in their case because our attorney and Brian McMonagall just showed them lying and, and, and perjuring themselves on the stand. I mean, that's just what I witnessed. You know, they'd say it's not something and then he'd catch them in a lie and they'd correct it. You know, they correct their statements. We had a juror on the, on the, on the, the jury who um, apparently was a virus, I guess. I don't know. But after um, it went to deliberations on Friday, they were at a deadlock for about two and a half hours after deliberating. Judge adjourned them for the day and said, we'll come back on Monday. Hmm. The jury passed a note to the judge saying, we need to talk. We have someone who on this jury is targeting other people on this and causing a problem. The judge interviewed every juror to find out what was going on. And they dismissed this juror and brought in the alternate. Wow. And it's as if the the hand of God came in and just like this, this guy who was the only guy who wasn't with us. They were at 11 to one on Friday, from what we understand. Wow. They took an hour to deliberate and the not guilty verdict verdict came in. And the best line of the day. Yeah. What is it? Mr. Hauk, you are free to go. Yeah. I love it. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Now, can I- hey, Mark, Mark, let me, let me ask you a question. Cause uh, you know, you're, you're a man of faith. You're a spiritual man. Did, could, could you sense number one, the hand of God in some instances, but also could you also sense the diabolical in many instances throughout this whole fiasco? Uh, the whole journey has been the way of the cross. And I, I, I've, I've encountered the diabolical like, like in no other time in my life wow. as I'm journeying to the trial and at the trial, you know, the consolations of the scriptures and the daily readings and, and all were combating all those lies that were whispering in my ear and the thoughts that were in my ears that I was just trying to find peace and reconcile this journey, knowing in my heart that that, that I could be imprisoned and accepting that wow. and accepting that this would be what's for the best. And so I, we, you know, you need to know this right before we went to trial, we did an all night vigil Monday night. It was adoration. I was in adoration from 10 p.m. to 5 30 awesome. and we prayed with the community in advance of this trial knowing that we would need that consolation and that strength we had the eucharist at a mass to, to kick that off and we prayed all through the night just like jesus in this and uh the caiaphas wow. yeah, and they the get semony yeah wow and that's, that's important to know prayer, power of prayer hey mark mark i'll tell you mark. i'll tell you why this is so important what you did is because what you did by going through all of this you've exposed exactly how the FBI under the demonic Biden administration treats pro-life Catholics. God bless you. Good for you, brother. Yeah. You, ex- you, you, you exposed, uh, you exposed them exactly for who they are and what, what they do to pro-life Catholics. Amen. Mark, final thoughts on your response. What message would you give to especially dads today for the protection of life? I want to ask you to just give some advice to us dads right now, if you could. Sure. Well, again, this is that's what it came down to as a dad. You know, that's really what won the case and my son. But I would say, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to step out and and fulfill the will of God in your life. And don't let my story and my journey keep keep you in fear. Uh, I would just say, you know, continue to to ask the Lord to, as you taught me, Terry, for greater faith every day. And I ask for that every day at the trial. Ask for greater trust and ask God to give you courage to go into those dark places and to stand in the gap 
Bishop Olmstead into the breach and, uh, and, and fulfill that will of God and grow in intimacy and love of God and grow in relationship to Christ by becoming more like Christ by putting yourself in those situations. So go out to the 40 days for life, get your family involved and start imparting those lessons. Wow. Amen. We, you've been listening to Mark Houck, his, uh, on his, his dark night of the soul, the hands yeah. of our woke unelected uh, Catholic president, Joe Biden, the Department of Injustice. Mark, uh, you stand as, as, a, as, a, as an iconic honor. figure yeah. as to how every Catholic man should face square off against the culture of death. God bless you, my friend. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. All right, Thank my you, guys. Thanks again, Mark. Wow. I look forward and, to being with you again. Yeah, and Mark, God. we're going to have you back on uh, the Bishop Strickland Hour next week. And folks, you can hear that interview here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God bless you and your family, Mark. Can't wait. God bless you guys and your audience. Yeah, see, I don't know about you, but, you know, just interviewing Mark <laughs> got me all fired up in regards to my own personal commitment to life. I'm serious. Yes. This man, well, this man held the line, man. Yeah, exactly. He, it rem he reminded me, he reminded me of, uh, uh, you know, it's like it was a Braveheart moment. Yes. I, I, and Mar Mark is basically telling all of us, hold the line. Yes. Hold the line. And guess what? He's not a talker. He's a doer. Yeah. He held the line for all of us. He's a model. He's a model. Let's yeah. just be honest. The guy's a model for us all to stand up for life. And, you know, God allowed this for a greater good to come. And I really believe the greater good that's coming is other Catholics and even just not, even non-believers to say, well, this man had to stand for something. I mean, if abortion is just, you know, not a problem, then why would this man go so far to do what he did, put his life on the line for that? Well, because it's the truth. He stood for the truth. And he had faith in Jesus Christ that he would persevere, and he did, Jess. Wow. Jess. Amazing. What an amazing guy. Yep. All right, brother yep. hey, Jess. You hey, know, uh, just want to let... Like, hey, Mark Halpern, he'd, he'd agree with this. We're all called to be great saints. Don't yeah. miss the opportunity. Exactly. Set yourselves apart from this corrupt generation. Be saints. You weren't made to fit in. Live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Stand up, stand up, stand up for Jesus, just like Mark Halk did. And think about the souls that were touched when Mark was in prison there. Uh, he, he offered his suffering, as Our Lady of Fatima said. Souls are going to hell because no one is there to make sacrifices and to pray for them. He was praying for the salvation of souls. While he was making reparation for sin. Let's do the same thing. Just final thought. What state should we be living in, brother? Live in a, live in a state of sanctifying grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Get holy or die trying. And let's pray. Let's pray America great again. Amen. And up next, the Bible with the barber. Stay with us here on Virgin Most Powerful. If you're not having it on your station, get our, our, our app by going to vmpr.org. God bless you and your family.